worship and said there's a special reward for the children of God who come out in the midst of hurricanes and days like this to worship God together. So the special reward is, is being together and knowing the presence of God as we gather together. And again, thank you for sharing in worship at First Church this morning, especially those who may be visiting our guest. Uh, we thank you for sharing in worship this, with us this morning and remind you we find some registration pads to your right or left because it helps us to know of you sharing with us in worship at First Church this morning. Helpful as well to be mindful of the, the many ministries of the church. Uh, first, we gathered yesterday as we do every third Saturday at the Uptown Ministry Center to share in the ministry of the food bank and clothes closet. Uh, so yesterday, 79 households were served by way of the food bank. 108 boxes were packed, and 242 people served total. And by way of the clothes closet, 75 households or families were served, 240 people total. Those numbers are a little lower than usual, but due to the weather yesterday, we, we understand there was a lower turnout. But again, thankful for the many volunteers who make this ministry possible. Thankful for your contributions that make this ministry possible as well. As we look to this coming week, a reminder that our study of Living Faithfully uh, will begin Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock. David Muka, a retired United Methodist pastor who still serves uh, as Director of Congregational Care at Green Memorial Church, will be with us uh, for the six weeks of this campaign. If you have not yet signed up, there is opportunity still to do so. And again, this begins at 7 o'clock Tuesday evening in Fellowship Hall. Uh, and at noon on Tuesday, the Women's Study of Bad Girls of the Bible will begin in the Uptown Ministry Center and all women of the church are invited to be a part of that. Uh, you note that there is opportunity here to volunteer for the Martinsville Community Care Collaborative. There is a link here. We host that event again November the 3rd, uh, so volunteers are needed to make that ministry happen. Uh, remember as well, the um, church council meeting will be Thursday evening. Uh, we're invited to read the third chapter of the New Adapters, and we will also share in a prayer walk to the Harvest Foundation, which is relocated before the council meeting. I'm going to invite us to prepare to worship God together.
Before standing for our call to worship, uh, we are mindful that many of our brothers and sisters within Virginia and South Carolina and North Carolina are suffering in the wake of Hurricane Florence. So with these brothers and sisters in mind, I share this scripture appropriate to this time and then offer a brief prayer as well. Let us hear the word of God. And they went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And all marveled, saying, what sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? Let us pray. Lord our God, we pray that your protecting hand will be over all of the people who are being affected by Hurricane Florence. Grant safe passage to all those who are evacuating. Calm nerves, provide sustenance, grant them safe shelter, and return them safely home after the storm has passed. For those who are living in areas that will be affected by this storm, relieve their anxiety and comfort them. Protect families, homes, and businesses, also be with the first responders and rescuers who will be out working and helping others during the storm. Help us, save us, have mercy on us, and protect us, O God, by your grace. Amen. We stand as we share in our call to worship. To the fishermen, Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. To the tax collector, Jesus said, Follow me. To the rich man, Jesus said, At the Last Supper, Jesus said, to you and to me and to all of us, Jesus says,
invite us to proclaim the word of God first as it comes to us from the 24th Psalm, number 755 in the back of our hymnals, and we will offer the sung response, the first response we find in our hymnals, which is before us. And I'll invite our choir to lead us uh, to offer that response, and then we will join in. is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. For God has founded it upon the seas. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts. They will receive blessing from the Lord. Such is the generation of those who seek the Lord. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the ruler of glory may come in. The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Who is this ruler of glory? see by way of the, your bulletin cover this morning, words of John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, are before us. It is Wesley who said, as we will hear uh, throughout the service, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. So these words are before us uh, between now and October 2nd, which will be Commitment Sunday for our stewardship campaign. And with this campaign before us, I invite us to watch this brief video. Stewardship. 
A steward is defined as a manager, a treasurer, or one who takes care of the master's business until he returns. When we make the commitment to follow Christ, we become stewards in his kingdom, managers of the resources that God grants to us. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the faithfulness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. When we understand that everything belongs to God, and that we are appointed to manage his resources, ownership ends, and stewardship begins. So what are we actually stewards of? God grants everyone different amounts of resources to use, but we all have the ability to use what we have to enhance the kingdom. There are things like our time, talents, our bodies, the gospel, opportunities, our finances, and much more. Imagine that you store your resources in a bucket. At any time, you can add to and take away for various things. When you get paid or have a day off, you put those resources in your bucket. Perhaps you have to pay some bills or you want to buy someone lunch. Some will have to be taken out. Either way, there is a supply and demand. When we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, though, a new source comes into play. We no longer own the bucket. We no longer own the resources. We do, however, have access to them and decide how to use them. We are now stewards. Imagine all the amazing things we can do now. Think of all the people we could bless and all the ministries that could flourish. God's love could infiltrate every facet of our lives. Unfortunately, things don't always play out that way. We have a natural tendency to revert back to an ownership viewpoint over these resources that we're blessed with. The common misconception is, I earned this. I deserve this. This is mine. This mindset puts a lid on our bucket. We shut God out. This is the basis of poor stewardship. Now that's not to say that you can't still do great things with what you have, but you have removed God from the system and now have some resources being wasted. We aren't able to fully utilize all of God's blessings. We cannot serve two masters. On the contrary, however, when we remove the lid and submit fully to serving the Lord in every aspect of our lives, the dynamic of stewardship changes drastically. Our God is not a thief. These offerings, tithes, and sacrifices that we give to Him are going to be blessed and used in amazing ways to transform lives for the kingdom. He uses ordinary people to become extraordinary in a broken world that needs a foundation of love. By offering ourselves completely to His will, we allow the Holy Spirit to work transparently through us in a powerful way. Lives will be changed. Miracles will happen. And ultimately, broken people can learn that they are sons and daughters of a loving God. We will become great stewards. Our buckets will always be changing. In some cases, they will be empty. In others, they will overflow. In all cases, God will use us to do incredible things. Stewardship is a choice. Let's choose God.
choir. I want to invite our children to come forward as we share in our children's time. group of children. It's wonderful to have our children back on Monday afternoons for choir and puppets. A lot of life and energy. Amen. Good morning. How are you this morning? Yeah. Was it raining when you all came to church? How long has it been raining now? A few days. Pretty wet outside. Hurricane Florence is, is really staying with us, isn't she? Um, we still don't know whether it be school tomorrow. Is that, has a call been made on school tomorrow? Do we don't know yet. Do you want to go back to school tomorrow? No. no? Okay. <laughs> well, we, we, it's not unanimous. There's some saying yes, some saying no. But this, this rain is, is really kind of dreary. I mean, we can even look outside, and, and by, even by way of our stone, stained glass windows, we can tell it's, it's not sunny out. It's just cloudy and messy. Um, and it reminds me, when I was a child, maybe not much older than you, uh, we had a, a big rainstorm come by. And we lived in a house which is, was at the bottom of the hill, the bottom of Green Street, and there was our house. So that meant whenever we got a lot of rain, all that rain came downhill through all the backyards and down that hill into our basement, and we got flooded. And I was real upset. In fact, I was so scared with all that rain that, that really I thought our house was going to float away. That's what, that's what I thought. I was a young child, and I thought, all oh, this rain is going to take our house away. And I was scared, and I was crying, and my older sister, uh, bless her heart, tried to hold me and comfort me and, and dry my tears. But I was, I was really afraid. Well, you may remember that as we, we shared some scripture uh, at the very beginning of the service, in which the disciples of Jesus were out in a boat and the, the water was tossing and being turned because there was a great storm and they were very frightened. And fortunately, Jesus was able to calm the waters and they were just all amazed, wondering, who is this man that he can calm the wind and the waves and, and bring peace? Well, that is the Jesus who is with us even in times when we may be upset because the weather's all nasty or because it's thunder or because it's lightning or because we, maybe we get frightened that things are going to float away, uh, or we're going to lose power, or we're going to be, you know, just in the dark. The same Jesus who calmed those waves and calmed the seas is the same Jesus who's with us. So I'm grateful for that good news, but also want to remind you of this. There are some of our brothers and sisters who may be south of us in North Carolina, South Carolina, who are really struggling because of all the rain. There's a lot of flooding. Uh, people having to leave their homes, and it's people without power. And so as we give thanks to God that for the blessings we know, uh, and as we trust God to be with us through this storm, I want us to remember our brothers and sisters who are really having a hard time because of all, all the rain and all the flood. And I want you to know, too, that, that we in the United Methodist Church, we have relief workers and helpers who are already on site in all of these troubled areas who are seeking to help people who are in need. So we're part of a church that's already there and will be there for a long time to help these people who are hurting. And so the God who's with us, who calms wind and calms the seas, is the God who's with our brothers and sisters who are really hurting. And I want us to go to God to pray for them. Will you do that? And, and if you'll repeat after me. Dear Lord, 
Bless those who are hurting. Bless those who are struggling because of the flood and because of the wind. Use us, Lord, as your church to bless, to help, to calm, and to make your presence known. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, children.
We hear the gospel lesson as it comes to us from Matthew, the 19th chapter, verses 16 through 30. Let us hear the word of God. And behold, one came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? One there is who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which? And Jesus said, You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have observed. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it will be hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, Lo, we have left everything and followed you. What then shall we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, In the new world, when the Son of Man shall sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left homes, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands for my namesake, will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many that are first will be last, and the last first. This is the word of our Lord. Well, it was but a few weeks ago during worship when I made reference to the musical Fiddler on the Roof in the song which begins this musical, a song titled Tradition. Well, this morning, this musical comes to mind again, but with a different musical selection. This selection, fitting well with the beginning of our stewardship campaign, is a song titled, anyone? There we go, If I Were a Rich Man. What well, is a song sung by a Russian Jew named Tevya, father of five daughters, who struggles to shepherd his family through a time of upheaval in the early 20th century. As prelude to this song, Tevya initiates conversation with God. But sometimes when it is too quiet up there, I think you say to yourself, Let's see what kind of mischief can I play on my friend Tevya. Dear God, you made many, many poor people. I realize, of course, that it is no shame to be poor, but it's no great honor either. So, would it have been so terrible if I had a small fortune? And Tevya concludes uh, with the singing of his song by asking this question. 
Lord, who made the lion and the lamb, you who decreed I should be what I am, would it spoil some vast eternal plan if I were a wealthy man? Thank you. Well, would it have spoiled some divine eternal plan if Tevye were a wealthy man? It doesn't hurt to ask, can't do any harm. Tevye, it appears, is a man of sound faith. He is a man who tries to do well by his family, by his God. I appreciate the boldness, the humor with which Tevye approaches God, and I believe you and I would do well to follow his example. What appears the young man who approaches Jesus this morning is likewise bold as he approaches Jesus, initiating a conversation like that between Tevye and God, a conversation speaking to the place of wealth in our lives. This young man with many possessions asked Jesus, What good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus replies, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father, mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, says Jesus, in order to have eternal life, you are to keep commandments, and you are to honor the greatest commandments. Well, no problem, it appears, because the young man says to Jesus, that's what I've been doing. All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Now, I share with you right here, I, I'm puzzled by this response of the young man. Puzzled because his response could have taken another form. The response could have gone in another direction entirely. You see, let's take another look at this exchange between Jesus and this young man. The young man asked Jesus what he must do to have eternal life. Jesus answers that he should keep the commandments and love his neighbor. And the young man in turn responds, I've done this. But here's where I'm confused. Because the conversation could end right there. That is to say, the young man has asked Jesus about eternal life. Jesus tells him what he should do. The man tells Jesus, these are the things he's been doing. End of story. But based on Jesus' answer to this question, the young man could at this point walk away. He could be high-fiving the disciples and everyone he meets, smiling broadly with the assurance that by his behavior, he has secured for himself eternal life. That's how the conversation could conclude. And we would understand, were it to do so, then move on to some other conversation. But we notice this young man, though he could walk away from the conversation, self-satisfied and checking from his checklist, secure eternal life, he doesn't do that. Now, I believe, had I been in his place, that's probably what I would have done. Why not leave well enough alone? Yet, curiously, this young man takes his conversation with Jesus a little further. 
All these I have observed, he says to Jesus. But what do I still lack? We are not told why the man asked Jesus this question. All we are able to say with any certainty is this. By asking Jesus this follow-up question, he provides Jesus opportunity to say, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. The follow-up question of this young man provides Jesus opportunity to say this, truly I say to you, it will be hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. We wish this young man had left well enough alone. We wish he had known when to close his mouth. You see, had he done so, it may be that Jesus would have found no reason at all to speak these words. You see, I'm guessing each of us wishes the young man had walked away when it was clear he was fulfilling all requirements so as to inherit eternal life. I'm guessing this because I believe you and I feel instinctively some discomfort some unease at these words of Jesus. Such discomfort, such unease, because we know ourselves, relatively speaking, to be pretty rich. Now, this is not to say that we have a multitude of homes or cars, bank accounts overflowing. It is to say Unlike many in this country and multitudes in other countries, you and I don't have to worry about where our next meal comes from. It is to say we don't have to wonder what we're going to wear tomorrow. It is to say we don't have to worry about where we will sleep tonight, whether we will be too hot or too cold. It is true we may not believe ourselves to be rich, but try telling this to those who don't know where or when they will eat again, those who may wonder about securing a change of clothing, those who may wonder, I wonder where I'm going to sleep tonight. Again, compared to many others, we're, we're pretty rich. So when we hear Jesus say it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, we, we bristle at that. When we hear Jesus say it's easier for a, a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, we, we get defensive and, and understandably so. We try to find those ways in which we shout, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not rich. Well, maybe we're not. But regardless of level of wealth like this rich man, we may find we allow wealth or possessions 
to impact our relationship with God. You see, it appears our stewardship of those things God entrusts to us does say much about the nature of our relationship with God. John Wesley, do we have his picture? Yes. It's, it's on the stained glass window. Of, as you climb the steps to the balcony, there's a stained glass window of John Wesley. He was the founder of the Methodist movement, and he was very aware of the impact of wealth in our lives and the impact of wealth in our relationship to God. It was John Wesley who spoke these words, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. The truth is that John Wesley has much to say about the way in which disciples of Jesus use their money. Wesley wrote sermons with these titles, The Use of Money, On Riches, The Good Steward. Again, earn all you can, said Wesley, which it appears this rich young man did, and which, based on the words of Jesus, is really not a problem. Still, there are a number of ways, faithful and unfaithful, in which we may handle all God entrusts to us. It appears we cannot escape the fact that the way in which we are stewards of all God entrusts to us reveals, again, much about the nature of our relationship with God. A gentleman named Tom Rayner has provided leadership for the church by way of his writings and workshops and cons consultations for many years. Based on his extensive work in the church, Rayner has come to the conclusion that generally speaking, when it comes to naming those who give financially to the ministries of the church, there are those who may be understood as givers and those who consider themselves to be paying the dues. You see, according to Rayner, those who approach their giving to the church as simply paying dues, those are the persons who demonstrate these traits. Their funds are viewed as membership dues with entitlement benefits. Their funds are often given from what is left over rather than first fruits. Those donors love to give designated funds since they have more control over my money. Those are the due payers, says Rayner. But by contrast, he has come to the conclusion regarding those who, who view their giving to the church as, as the gracious giving of their gifts have different traits. Those with a viewpoint of, of just graciously giving to the church demonstrate these attributes. Gifts are given with a heart of gratitude. The giver never speaks of the funds as my money. The giver has zero expectation of personal benefits from the church in exchange for their funds. The gifts are viewed by the giver as part of his or her walk of discipleship with Christ. The giver seeks no recognition, plaques, or naming privileges for the funds. The giver gives with joy, and if the giver has any regrets about the funds, 
it is that he or she really wants to give more. And the funds are first fruits. They are the first amounts taken out of paychecks and other sources of income. So based on these observations of the church over the years, Rayner has come to conclude, in simplest terms, church giving is an act where the member lets go of the funds with no reservations. He or she truly gives money to God through the church. Church dues, though, have strings attached. They are not as much gifts as they are membership dues to reserve certain rights and perks. Well, was that latter viewpoint, the viewpoint of paying dues, that of the rich young ruler? Did he see himself as a due payer rather than as a giver? We don't know. Nor do we know the nature of his faith in God. Did he have faith in God, or did he really have greater faith in himself? Did he believe that all depended upon himself, or did he trust in God to accomplish great things with gifts returned to God? There's another United Methodist pastor, James Harnish, who recalls from his leadership of many churches different views regarding the place of our gifts given God in worship different views regarding the necessity or the impact of these gifts. It's Harnish who says there are those who may view the offering of our gifts as a display of a lack of faith in God, as something that says we really don't trust God to accomplish God's work, that our giving is an act contrary to trusting God to carry out his work. And and I've been in those churches where we just have kind of said when it comes time to setting the budget, well, you just got to have faith. You got to just trust God. Well, alongside this view, it's Harnish who writes, by contrast, I've been grateful for the wise, experienced, and deeply faithful lay persons in every congregation I've served who use their best knowledge and experience with money to guide the church in the wise stewardship of the gifts of God's people. Their financial wisdom is not a contradiction of their faith, but an expression of it. Seeing our work as a calling from God puts the challenge to earn all you can in the context of the larger purpose of work. Wesley's instruction is not merely to earn money for its own sake, but to earn it for the higher purpose of fulfilling God's intention for our lives. Earn all you can, says Wesley. Earn all the money you can. Because this money, in turn, trusted into the hands of God and his church, it becomes much more than money. It is, Wesley, our ancestor in faith, who writes to us words, that we do well to keep before us. And these are those words. In the hands of his children, says Wesley, money is food for the hungry, and a drink for the thirsty, and clothing for the naked. By this money we may supply the place of a husband to the widow, and of a father to the orphan, we may be a defense for the oppressed, a means of health to the sick, of ease to them that are in pain. 
It may be as eyes to the blind, as feet to the lame, indeed as a lifter up from the gates of death. So earn all you can. For the sake of God and his church, earn all you can. Amen. I invite us to stand as we affirm our faith with words of scripture from 1 Corinthians and Colossians. This is the good news which we have received, in which we stand, and by which we are saved. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and appeared first to the women, then to Peter and the twelve, and then to many faithful witnesses. We believe Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one of God, the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn from the dead, in whom all things hold together, in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell by the power of the Spirit. Christ is the head of the body, the church, and by the blood of the cross reconciles all things to God. Amen. As we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. I'll invite our ushers to come forward as we worship God with his tithes and our offerings. Lord, you do entrust 
into our care, the gifts that you give. Remind us that all things come of thee and of thine own do we give unto thee. And Lord, calls us to remember that so deep is your love for us, that you withhold nothing, not even your own son. You honor us, you humble us with your gifts, and as we return but a portion unto you, may they accomplish great things for the sake of your kingdom. Amen.
We are a people of prayer. Central to our faith, the words of Jesus, ask, seek, and knock. Central to our faith, words of scripture that tell us to pray without ceasing. We remember those words. They guide us as we worship, as we share in the prayers of the people. This is a responsive pattern of prayer in which I will speak various petitions, concluding each of the petitions with the words, Lord, in your mercy, inviting from you the response here, our prayer, and inviting you to name as well those concerns or persons you would like to speak uh, during this time of prayer. And then we conclude with our Lord's prayer. We go to God as we pray. Lord, we gather together mindful of brothers and sisters who are suffering from the floodwaters and from the winds of Hurricane Florence. We lift these brothers and sisters to you in prayer. We remember those who have leadership positions and authority, making decisions regarding curfews, making decisions regarding safety concerns, Bless these persons, O Lord. Bless these who suffer. And use us as your church to be present in times of distress and chaos. Use us, Lord, to make your presence known, to reveal that you are a God who is with us always through all things and that nothing can separate us from your love. And Lord, help us as your people to be those who grow in faith, who seek to do what is right according to you, who seek to be faithful to commandments, and who seek to do all things so as to please you and be a blessing to your people. Lord, you honor us by calling us to be stewards of what always belongs to you. Give us wisdom, give us guidance, so that we may make decisions and to do those things that bring glory to you. Lord, in your mercy. And hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. for emergency workers, elected officials, our schools. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy, 
Hear us as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. For Bishop Lewis, Janine Howard, the ministries of First Church, our delegates to General Conference. Lord, in your mercy, and hear our prayers gathered with those of your saints, that cloud of witnesses surrounding us even now, their work continuing as we worship you and as we pray as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Christ who said, you are the light of the world. So we go and we let our light shine, sharing those talents God has entrusted to us, now and always to the glory of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> 